The Blood Flow Restriction Podcast is brought to you by Saga, a world leader in innovative BFR technology. For more information on our Bluetooth-enabled auto-calibrating BFR cuffs, head over to our website at saga.fitness. And if you'd like to pick up a set for yourself, you can save 20% with the discount code BFRPODCAST. Today's topic on the BFR podcast is building a BFR hamstring hypertrophy program. Normally, I would say just go you know, look at some good resources on the internet or YouTube and find a traditional resistance training hamstring hypertrophy program. Uh, but this is the Blood Flow Restriction Podcast and probably the top request we get um, across Saga and our BFR podcast exclusive requests are muscle growth hypertrophy programs by body part. So this will end up being a series. We'll start with the hamstrings and move on to other body parts, quads, etc. Uh, and this assumes that you are training just under BFR. There's a lot of our listeners just love training under BFR. And so uh, we are going to deliver uh, the hamstring hypertrophy kind of program, at least framework guide for how you can go about building a program. And as always, we will try to be uh, provide some specific examples as well. So if you wanted to, you could take uh, what what is discussed in this episode and kind of be ready to start a program today. I'd first recommend you listen to our exercise selection episode. If you scroll a few episodes back, it kind of goes through a framework-based approach for how to figure out what exercises may be best, um, you know, how to identify proper exercises, BFR or not, uh, or effective exercises, I guess you could say. Um, and of course, BFR training still adheres to pillars of sport and exercise science, just kind of viewed through the lens of BFR. So for today though, we are gonna build out a program and we're gonna start off with pillars because we have to get this out of the way to begin with. Any training, BFR or not, needs to check three boxes. This will be really simple. Specificity, overload, and recovery. You could call it fatigue management as well. Specificity really just says, whatever you're trying to get good at, you should probably train that thing. So <laughs> very simple here, but we're trying to grow bigger hamstrings. So we need to focus on exercises that will grow the hamstrings. Overload, most of us are familiar with this concept, but it just suggests that training needs to be hard enough to warrant adaptation. And generally that means over time, our training should be getting progressively, uh, it should uh, place progressively greater demands on the body. And that can be done through a variety of ways, um, but that's overload. And then fatigue management or recovery, we need to make sure that we don't overtrain ourselves uh, and get into a place where the intensity and volume of our training is so great that we start to go downhill. So as we go out building this program, just keep those kind of three concepts in mind, especially as you go about executing your program over time. Um, specificity will be relatively simple. Um, overload is, is important to, to keep in mind as you progress week to week. And of course, recovery or fatigue management uh, needs to be uh, given priority as well. And then just some housekeeping before we start. This program assumes that hamstrings are your goal, which means when you're training lower body, hamstrings should come first in the session. If, if they're not gonna come first, there should be really good reason why they're not coming first. But in general, uh, you should be training them first if they're your goal. If you try to train quads before, you know, squats, hack squats, whatever you're doing, uh, you might just be too fatigued to really drive uh, a ton of stimulus to the hamstrings by the time you get to them. It also means that you might need to cut back on other volume. If you're trying to specialize in hamstring growth, if let's say you're in a position where you feel like your quads are 
big or um, you know your hamstrings are just lagging behind, uh, then you may need to cut back on quad volume or some of your other volume globally to make sure that you have enough uh, kind of energetic supply to fuel good hamstring training. And then one last housekeeping note before we get into this is that it's worth mentioning at times and for certain exercises, particularly uh, hip extension exercises, hamstrings are not the best suited for super high rep training uh, because your back can become a rate limiter. So if you're thinking about an RDL, can be an amazing hamstring exercise. Generally, most people tend to have the most luck. Anywhere from five to you know twelve-ish reps seems to be a good general zone. Once you get to you know fifteen, twenty, thirty, your back can start to get super fatigued and impair the stimulus to your hamstrings. That said, we're going to be training in a BFR, so the load's going to be light. It should mitigate some of that. Uh, or the load's going to be lighter even than it would be if you're training at a higher rep range without BFR. Um, but it's just worth mentioning. And so with that in mind, just as, as you go about your exercises, be super cognizant of, you know, focusing on that, uh, deep hamstring stretch if possible, um, solid range of motion when possible. Uh, and just, you know, try to make sure that the hamstrings are the rate limiter of your exercises and not your low back. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, let's go into building this program. First, we're going to start off with frequency. So how many times to train hamstrings per week? Well, we know that training once per week is better than zero in basically every case ever. Twice per week is almost always better than once per week. Um, you know, almost every situation and for almost every muscle group, pretty much every muscle group. Three, four, five times are probably incremental. And especially for hamstrings, it's highly unlikely that you'll be able to sustain doing multiple, multiple sessions per week, particularly if they're difficult sessions like that. Uh, so we are going to focus on this program will kind of be built around a two time per week frequency. I think that'll be solid for most people, especially because muscles that tend to take the longest to recover or are muscles that can take the most damage, unsurprisingly. And we, it seems to be that the eccentric portion of lifts, so think about, uh, you know, in a bicep curl, the, as your arm is moving down, uh, or as your wrist is moving down towards the ground, or in a RDL, as the barbell is moving down towards the ground, seems to cause, this phase seems to cause the most damage. And when a muscle is capable of, of sustaining high forces or producing high forces at a deep stretch in the eccentric position, um, it can take a lot of damage. So if you think about the bicep, when it's in its fully stretched position, your arm is basically straight. And as most of us know, when we're doing, you know, barbell or dumbbell bicep curls, when your arm is straight, there's very little tension on the bicep. That's just structurally how the, the bicep uh, is. And so you can kind of get around this if you want to get a ton of benefit from the stretch uh, by allowing your arms to travel behind your back. That's a separate topic. Um, but to contrast bicep and hamstring, when you're doing an RDL and you're in the deepest portion, uh, an RDL is an exercise that you can produce a ton of force and you can move a lot of weight as you get strong, especially. Uh, and when you're at the bottom of an RDL, you can be moving a lot of weight and your hamstrings can be producing a lot of force, which means they can take a lot of damage. So all that to say, going over twice per week, especially when you're involving exercises like an RDL, 
most people probably won't recover from that super well. Uh, so again, just kind of the justification or thought process behind twice per week frequency. So we've got frequency down twice per week. What about exercise selection? Well, there's no magic exercises. And I went through this uh, in detail in the exercise selection episode, but in hypertrophy specifically, there's no, there's no magic exercises in bodybuilding. If you're just trying to get bigger and put on muscle, of course, in, in certain sports, strength sports, you have to do the lifts that you have to do. You can't, uh, you're not going to be the greatest power lifter of all time if you never deadlift or bench or squat. Uh, but in hypertrophy, we're not limited to those movements. And so there are no magic movements. But that said, hamstrings are somewhat limited in the uh, amount of movements that are available. So we've got kind of hip extension and knee flexion movements, which pretty much means variations of like an RDL and hamstring curls. So for simplicity, we'll break this down since we're training twice per week. We'll have an A day and a B day. On the A day, good example session would be an RDL and seated hamstring curl. On the B day, we'll go good morning and seated hamstring curl. If good morning bothers you, some people it bothers your back, you could repeat an RDL. There's absolutely no, nothing wrong with repeating exercises over a mesocycle, um, you know, four, six, even up to eight weeks for some people in mesocycle length. And, and honestly, if you wanted to repeat them for multiple mesocycles, in most cases, there's nothing wrong with that either. So fairly straightforward there. We're trained twice per week. We've got an A day and a B day. A day, RDLs and, and seated ham curls. B day, good mornings and seated ham curls. Volume. How are we going to determine volume? Well, you'll see as we get into this, how, how, how many sets you should train will kind of become self-evident. We'll go off of first principles, what we understand about sport and exercise science, but that will become self-evident as you train, which is really cool. So in general, you're trying to build muscle. We go from the, the kind of minimum effective dose to close to, or up to your maximum recoverable. So this would be minimum effective volume to maximum recoverable volume. We don't want to start at the top because we don't need to, when you're just starting out, uh, if you're, whether you've never trained before, or if you're, you know, starting a new kind of mesocycle, which is just a little, a phase of training weeks stacked on top of each other at the very beginning, you don't need to start at your max because you can actually get a ton of gains starting closer towards the, the early, the lower volume range. So if you start at the top, there's kind of nowhere to climb. You'll fatigue out too early. Doesn't make a ton of sense to do that. Uh, it's like spending $30 for a burrito when there's a $12 burrito that's just as good. It's really about what you can recover from. And this is where the self-evident portion comes in because it's like, it's great to know, okay, well, if I can start at my minimum effective volume, I have no idea what that is. If you've been training for, for a while, you might know, you, you're probably pretty familiar with what that is. Great. Start with what you believe to be your minimum effective volume is. If you don't know, here's how we're going to figure this out. It should be a level of training that you can do. So assuming we have an A day and a B day, if, you're, if your A day is Monday and your B day is Thursday, uh, it should be a stimulus on your A day, but not so much to where you show up on your B day and you can't uh, produce force again to the same or perhaps a little bit greater degree. So if you're just starting out, uh, or if, you, if you're coming off a long training layoff or something of that nature, this might be one set in the very beginning. That sounds crazy, uh, but it's not. And remember, if you start low, you can always ramp up. If you start too high, you kind of can't get that fatigue back or it's back to the burrito example. If you spend $30 when you could have spent 12, you can't go ask for the money back. Uh, you've already spent it. 
and and we're gonna add sets weekly. Uh, just think about week one as kind of our calibration week. The goal is to get to a place where, wow, that was a difficult session. And you know maybe you had some soreness the next day, maybe even the day after, but by the time you go in for your Thursday session or whenever that second session of the week is, you're fresh and ready to go again. That's kind of the goal. So start with something like one or two sets, unless you're very well familiar with you know where you sit from a volume perspective and work your way up from there, calibrate, use, use week one as a calibration time. So now we have volume down. What about rep ranges? Well, if, you, if you've been following BFR for a while, you might already know what I'm about to throw out there, uh, but the 30, 15, 15, 15 is a pretty good reference point. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with the 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol, we did a whole episode on it. You can just search that term in our podcast. It'll come right up, but pretty much it's a set of 30 reps followed by three sets of 15 reps and you have a minute rest in between each set. A bit of foreshadowing here. We're about to release another episode called rethinking the 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol. A bit of an advanced notice is that it doesn't have to be exactly 30, 15, 15, 15. It might end up being 26, you know, 16, 12, 11, or something to that nature. The important thing is that you get up to or very close to failure. This is kind of a separate tangent, but there's a ton of literature around uh, the idea that from a relative intensity perspective, our sets should end pretty much nowhere near or nowhere over four reps in reserve and probably all the way up to failure. Because we're training under BFR, I'm gonna rule out four reps in reserve and even kind of rule out three reps in reserve. Uh, just from a pure logic standpoint, because this is a, uh, the higher you go in reps, the more difficult it can be to tell how close you are to failure because you're not failing from a purely, purely mechanical standpoint, the way you would under a set of five uh, or even a set of 10. You're failing from a, significant accumulation of metabolites, crazy burn lactate, uh, which probably disrupts your, your muscles ability to produce a ton of force. Uh, and for some, sometimes it can be difficult to tell, ah, I could have done like one or two more. So trying to gauge four reps in reserve seems a bit excessive. So for the sake of simplicity, we're going to stick with two reps in reserve to start this mesocycle. So aim for two reps in reserve. Uh, and if you want more detail around proximity to failure, should you train to failure, et cetera, we also did an episode on that called should you train to failure under BFR. Uh, but let's stick with two reps in reserve to start here. Uh, and remember rest is going to be about 60 seconds. We're, we're trying to push uh, metabolite accumulation here. So about 60, 60 seconds rest should be enough somewhere around there. I would just make sure that your cardiovascular system is not the rate limiter. So if you're just completely gassed and you're panting, give yourself a little bit more time. You wanna make sure that when you do get to your sets, uh, you have you have enough gas in you to really produce a lot of force. Make sure that the hamstrings are the rate limiter, again, not your cardiovascular system. So you'll start with a set of, a weight that you think you can get about 30 reps with, and then you'll just keep that weight, especially for simplicity, for your next sets if you do have any again if you're just starting out it might be that just that one set um and you'll you almost certainly get less reps if you get an, the same amount of reps on your set two then something wrong happened on set one okay so we have frequency twice a week we've got our exercise selection we have our a day and b day built out we've got our volume we understand that you know if you're just starting out or coming off a layoff it might be one set uh, but the goal is to ultimately progress to where uh, you are 
you do you impose some damage or a ton of stimulus and you are just healed and ready to go by your second session that is kind of your volume landmark we'll train from mev to mrv uh, we've got rep ranges down the 30 15 15 15 protocol is kind of a guiding framework uh, and we're going to stick with two reps in reserve from a relative intensity perspective what about bfr specific recommendations this is the bfr podcast after all so as far as pressure recommendations there's a, a, a wide range that you can see success with here but in general something like 50 percent seems to work for most people uh, so it's a good place to start you can always progress up uh, as you if you repeat this mesocycle or start a new mesocycle uh, you can try bumping up to maybe 60 percent occlusion uh, and you can i'm going to keep referencing other episodes but if you want to learn what i'm referring to here look up our limb occlusion pressure episode uh, but this is just uh, occlusion percentage just is in reference to the percentage of blood flow to your limbs so in this case it'll be to your legs that is occluded so 50 percent occlusion seems to be a pretty good starting point for most people and you can leave cuffs inflated between sets and probably deflate it between exercises will be perfectly fine shameless plug here this podcast is by saga we are a world leader in uh, bfr technology and we produce bfr cuffs that allow you that take all the guesswork out for you you can completely control them through a mobile app and if you want to train at 50 percent, you just tell the app that's what i want to do and it's going to calibrate to you and then inflate to the perfect pressure to make sure that you are training exactly at 50 percent uh, which is really cool if you want more information on that just check us out at saga.fitness okay so how does progression work here tough to give blanket generalizations here but a four to eight week mesocycle works for most people so a mesocycle is basically just you're ramping up your training it's getting more difficult week to week to week until you hit a week yeah generally about a week where you deload or kind of allow your body to recover uh you step back significantly or hit the brakes pretty significantly on your training uh, so a four-week mesocycle would be three weeks of kind of increasing difficulty and then on your fourth week you rest and eight week would obviously be seven weeks of uh, incremental increases followed by a rest on week eight so if you're a beginner uh, and or you're just not very strong eight weeks would probably work fine for you you could probably even go longer than that uh, if you're advanced it's it's tough for most people to go longer than four to six weeks uh, as a super advanced uh, trainee but that's kind of your reference point there just kind of Think about where you're at in your lifting journey and you can always, uh, you know, as long as you're not prepping for a specific contest or something, um, you can always, if you're crushing it, you can add a week or uh, even wrap up early a week if you need to. And we're already going to be progressing by adding sets. So let's say you start your week one, you do one set of, of each movement per day and you realize that was next to nothing i just didn't get sore at all just didn't even touch me uh, i feel like i didn't do anything jump up in sets you jump to two sets uh each time so we're already progressing in sets but you know let's say you hit your second week and now you, you do your two sets of each hamstrings are pretty sore you get to, but they recover by the time you get to your next session you can continue to auto regulate as you go along until you'll find that sweet spot of volume to where you're kind of you're like it's difficult but you recover just before you train again so we're already progressing in sets but we should also be focusing focusing on adding either a rep or a small amount in load to our sets each week you sort of can't go wrong with either one 
Uh, I would just say that if your first set is taking you, you know, all the way up to 30 or past 30, I would focus on adding load uh, so that you're kind of staying under that 30 rep range in general for all your sets. Uh, whereas if you, on your first week or something, your the weight that you choose takes you to, you know, 17 or 18 reps, maybe add rep instead of load. Again, you can't go wrong either way. Just try to, you know, as long as you can stay within kind of the normal range rep range that's suitable for BFR, you should be totally fine. As an example, if your first week on your A day for your RDLs, you do 28, 18, 16, 14, you should aim for 29, 19, 17, 15, or something like that. If you can add a rep or, or more onto each of those sets, um, that'd be a good thing. And you'll find that that naturally kind of progresses you throughout your weeks uh, to the point where, you know, as you are getting towards your last weeks, you might be a little bit less than two reps in reserve, uh, hitting one. And then my recommendation, because it's awesome, is to go to failure on your final week. We don't know for sure if failure is fully uh, required to build the most amount of muscle, but there's good reason to think that touching failure every now and then is probably a good idea. So on your last week, right before you deload, it's a, it's an awesome opportunity to to kind of push the limits a little bit. I'll mention probably don't go to failure on good mornings. You have a bar over your back, just a bad idea. Um, some people have safety straps or something. If you want to push it, great. Uh, but otherwise, I would mostly stick with training to failure on your hamstring curls in this protocol. So you can push each of your sets all the way to failure on that last week. You should be pretty fatigued when that week wraps up. And then it's time to deload. I am unaware of a evidence-based BFR deload week. Uh, but in general, you could even step back from the BFR for a week. Probably a good idea. Just reduce your load as well. Uh, and reduce your volume. In general, you could probably cut your load and volume by 50% uh, for the week and be totally fine. Remove the BFR cuffs, uh, deload, and then if you wanted to, you could repeat that mesocycle, maybe alter the exercises a bit if you want to, uh, and try pushing it up to 60% occlusion. Or you could just increase load, uh, start it at a greater load, and progress the same way that you did before. Messing with the occlusion percentage might be an interesting way to, for you to kind of figure out uh, where you seem to get the best stimulus uh, and where you, your training tends to be most optimized. Uh, but again, you're perfectly fine to progress the normal traditional way as well. And that is a wrap on building a hamstring hypertrophy program. Remember, this is just one example plan. It's not the only way to do it. Uh, it's mostly a framework that you can kind of adopt. But if you have any questions, as always, uh, you can either check our other podcast episodes or you can reach out to me at steven at saga.fitness. We'll see you guys on the next one.